everyone. It's Aisa here from Seek to Speak, and in this International Women's Day special, we are celebrating the stories and experiences shared by all of you during our Kesa Kita short story competition with the team Embrace Equity. We received 43 entries from women and girls hailing from 10 different states, with the youngest being 11 years old and the eldest being 54. We really cherish the diversity in these stories, and they have been such a joy to read, compile, and produce for this episode. So, in part one of this special, you will listen to 10 stories, two of which were written in Malay, and seven of which were submitted anonymously, touching on issues ranging from workplace discrimination, gender bias in school. And even generational trauma. To find out more about the competition and these stories, check out our show notes. Before we begin, just a quick trigger warning that the stories shared here do touch on themes concerning gender discrimination, victim blaming, bullying, rape, child marriage, and sexual harassment. Should you find this type of content triggering, please stop now and come back when or if you're ready. Without further ado, let's hear it from you. Pray you won't be like me. You carefully plaited my hair into a braid, secured a flower with a clip, and repeated yourself. Don't be like me. I am stupid and slow, uneducated and illiterate. You must study. You must achieve remarkable things. I take great pride in being called your grandmother, and I know that you will be the star I imagine you to be. I was seven years old, taking my baby steps into the world of education. I wasn't aware then of the whirlwind of troubles I would get into: the failed subjects, delayed progress, tears, and heartaches. At every stage of my life, you reminded me that I must strive for greater things. I was a superstar, you said. The privilege of receiving an education, of having the opportunities available to me, must not be taken for granted. While my sixteen-year-old self spent her days baking, exploring her love for dancing, spending time with friends, and indulging in movies, in nineteen sixty-five, sixteen-year-old you had just become a mother. The world as you knew it changed. The chaos of motherhood suddenly descended upon you, one child after another. I devoured my teenagehood fully focused on myself, but you had to put your heart and love into caring for another human being, a child when you were still a child. Like many other girls of your time, you were forced into child marriage. Rubber tapping, motherhood, poverty, and a life that was out of your hands. Years later, well into adulthood, I realized that every word you said to me ensured that I would never experience the life you had. Your goal was to give your granddaughter a life you didn't even have the opportunity to imagine for yourself. However. Your efforts began much before I existed. It began with the birth of your first son, my father, in 1965. Despite your circumstances, 
you raised a boy to become a man who understood the need for equity in opportunities and education for women you raised a man who treated his daughter and sons equally he would go on to provide them with the privilege of choosing their own paths you raised a father who would stand as a backbone to his daughter's choices be the reason for her voice her business ventures and her freedom of opinions today i can confidently say that i stand strong with multi-hatted calibers because of that man you raised somewhere along the line i recognized the superstar you always saw in me yet i've always known i wanted to be just like you the goal is to ignite the fire for equity in my own home to make changes albeit however small to encourage others around me to make the right choices and to make a positive impact on those whose lives i can influence you showed me that the best way to change the world is by changing your own home so to my secret superstar i aspire to be just like you happy international women's day i despise it alfred when my mother invited me to celebrate it at my grandmother's house in kemaman terengganu this year i was unsure whether i should go it's not that i am an introvert who despise Biases getting along with distant relatives, I would rather read a romance novel in my room. But I just can't ignore my previous years' experience. Many guests and relatives came to my grandmother's house last year for Eid Alfred. Can you guess where I spent the majority of my time? If you guessed that I was in my room watching my favorite care drama, then. You are incorrect. I spend the majority of my time in the kitchen. I assisted in peeling the onions, cutting the chicken, managing the fire, boiling the water because my grandmother apparently does not have a water heater, and many other tasks. While my brother was watching television and playing video games with my cousins, I was. irritated angry and annoyed this is not right why should i go through all of this while my brother does nothing so i went to my father to complain you can guess what my father said stop whining about your brother and get back to work this is a woman's job he said i couldn't believe it But I didn't say anything because I didn't want to ruin the good vibes. However, deep down inside, I was heartbroken and disappointed in my father and brother. Who are they thinking we are? We too are humans with feelings. Since then, I vowed to myself that I despise open houses and would think a thousand times before going to my grandmother grandmother's house. Nowadays. It appears that women should cook and men should work. This choice of responsibility has a long history dating back to the beginning of time. 
because of sex roles or gender which manifests itself in a division of labor these believe that cooking is a woman's job rather than a drugery that it truly is is in my opinion the stupidest thing i've ever heard nothing in a woman's biological makeup indicates that she must be a little homemaker living a lesser life than a man it's all societal it should not be a norm individuals in modern relationship should all pitch in and support one another people should do what they want and should not feel obligated to explain how they run their personal lives to others women used to take care of the home and the family for decades they never work outside the house men toiled in the fields and work outside the home that was how they preferred to live their lives those days however are long long gone some people are just unable to evolve or comprehend the new ideas finally i'm sending love to all women who have not feel like themselves lately but still get up every day and refuse to quit i love you all thank you so much 23 august 2022 yes this is the day when my friend and i were sexually harassed online by a guy who pretended to be a girl named icha to make things worse he asked us to send a picture of us not wearing our hijab to prove that we were girls before joining the whatsapp group for our college never once in my life would i have thought that i would be in this horrid situation where my pride and honor were mercilessly played by a man for his own needs i can't help but imagine how the other muslim girls in the group would have felt when they discovered the truth behind this icha our pride and our honor were trashed around as if we were just objects i'm not sure whether this guy thoroughly thought about the consequences of his action but little did he know that he messed up with the wrong girl i proved him wrong by making a police report at the station and while waiting for the investigation to proceed guess what i actually managed to catch him by myself i even reveal him on social media to ensure no one would face the same thing ever again unexpectedly more victims started contacting me and telling me how he had been doing this since secondary school well i did all these things to make sure that people can think and change their mindset about girls are weak they would never stand out for themselves because once a girl stand out for herself and everyone else the world would be shocked greeting everyone i am a survivor of sexual harassment from 3 years ago i might have been weak but now not anymore irene zafira Anak terakhir daripada lima orang adik-beradik. Ramai pelajar di sekolahnya mengatakan bahawa dia beruntung kerana lahir dari keluarga yang kaya walhal hakikatnya.
tidak. Sejak kecil lagi, ibu bapanya meletakkan harapan yang tinggi pada dia. Bagaikan sebuah robot yang sistemnya tidak boleh melanggar arahan. Nilayan seperti sebuah anak patung yang tidak memiliki perasaan. Hidup ini kejam. Tiada sebarang keadilan yang diberikan padanya sebagai seorang anak perempuan. Kesemua empat orang abangnya merupakan pelajar yang cemerlang dan menjadi kebanggaan keluarga tetapi dia seolah-olah bala yang mendantangkan beban terhadap keluarga. Itulah kata-kata ayahnya yang diucapkan tepat pada sambutan hari jadinya dua tahun lepas. Perasaan Airin tak kala itu tidak dapat digambarkan. Hanya air mata yang mengalir sayu mendengar baik kata ayahnya. Abang-abangnya juga seperti menutup mata, tidak melihat kejadian di hadapan mereka. Diburukan di hadapan tetamu merupakan hadiah hari jadinya yang ke-16. Tidak di rumah mahupun sekolah. Dulu, sewaktu menjawat jawatan sebagai ketua pengawas, ramai pelajar lelaki yang hiraukan perintahnya dengan alasan kerana dia hanyalah seorang perempuan. Logik, alasan remis seperti itu. Bukankah itu sudah tanggungjawab mereka untuk mendengar arahan seorang pemimpin? Usahanya yang sering melakukan mesyuarat bagi membincangkan masalah pelajar malah kelihatan sia-sia apabila anak buahnya sendiri tidak mahu mendengar kata. Akhirnya, jawatannya dilucutkan akibat guru-guru yang bersangka buruk mengatakan dia tidak melaksanakan tugasan dengan baik. Bermula dari situ, keputusan ujiannya jatuh merosot secara tiba-tiba Akibat perbuatan dengki pelajar lain yang memanipulasikan merekahnya. Marwahnya jatuh dan dia hanya mampu memekakkan telinga tanpa membantah fitnah yang dibawa. Sakit? Tidak seberapa sakit jika mahu dibandingkan apabila semua ahli keluarganya percaya akan kenyataan palsu yang dibuat tanpa siasatan terlebih dahulu. Tiada seorang pun yang mahu berpihak padanya. Ibu dan ayah hanya berperanan sebagai watak sampingan. Dari situ, Irene mula sedar. Dia bukanlah siapa-siapa dalam keluarganya. Kewujudannya sebagai tidak diinginkan. Setiap kali, dia mahu menyapa mereka di ruang makan. Masing-masing laju mengundurkan diri dengan alasan ada kerja yang mahu dilakukan. Sebegitunya benci melihat dirinya, rumah hanyalah kosa kata yang tidak mempunyai maksud tersirat. Bibirnya mengetap menahan getaran tangisan setiap kali mendapat tahu mereka sekeluarga pergi makan di restoran luar tanpa mengajak dirinya. Abangnya memberikan alasan kerana dia perlu belajar untuk mendapatkan keputusan cemerlang. Bagaimana dia mahu memberikan yang terbaik jika keluarganya layan dia sebegini rupa? Seperti yang dijangka, Ari mendapatkan caci maki dari ayahnya tak kala keputusan SPM miliknya jauh teruk jika mahu dibandingkan dengan adik-beradiknya yang lain. Tujuh hari tujuh malam Airin berkurung dalam bilik. Dia seperti mayat hidup. Tubuh kurus dan tidak terurus, tambahan lagi kesihatan mental yang semakin memburuk. 
Aku akan buktikan orang macam aku ini pun boleh berjaya. Lima tahun, Airi mencari ilmu tanpa bantuan kewangan dan sokongan dari keluarga. Semua kos yuran dibayar dengan duit hasilnya bekerja part-time sewaktu sekolah menengah dahulu. Dulu, mungkin dia seorang yang lemah. Sekarang, dia merupakan founder Air Beauty dan memiliki sebanyak 35 cawangan kafe di Malaysia. Selain itu, dia berjaya mengeluarkan novel penerbitannya sendiri dan sebanyak 130,000 buah berjaya dijual dalam tempoh setahun. Embracing equity can be hard, especially if you are in a working environment. Recently, I've been given the opportunity to work in a molecular laboratory that deals with COVID-19 samples. With the workload that was overwhelming at the time and tons of backlog needed to be processed, everyone is exhausted, angsty and miserable. We're running for 24 hours and working in three shifts. It almost seems impossible. I was and still incredibly blessed with such an amazing team. A great team was not made from a perfect group of individuals. But it was made from knowing each other's flaws and genuinely caring for one another and lifting each other's spirit. It's the short lunch break we took, sharing snippets of our lives and our everyday struggles. One of the most common struggles that my junior colleagues and I faced was having a manipulative male leader. This does not mean we villainize all leaders but rather that this was a common story we hear. At first impression, he seemed incredibly helpful, charming and courteous. This was all a facade to cover his true nature, one that soon turned soured pretty quickly. At first, we caught him in one of his lies, like taking credit over other colleagues' work. First red flag. He would try to pit us against each other, making it seem like the problem was always our fault. And whenever one of my female friends had the courage to stand up to him, he would instigate the others against her. It was unbelievable to think that this is the kind of leader we were dealing with. Another red flag was that he would make sexual comments about my female colleagues with other male colleagues. And no one would question him because he was a senior leader. Should we as women just swallow this harassment and expect us to brush it off? We began to feel a sense of division. And it was sad to see our dynamic falter. So how did we find justice in all this? We did it by having clarity in our communication having the dreaded awkward conversation on our own flaws, owning up to our own mistakes, then can we learn to be a better human being, not just in the workplace, but in our everyday life. This turned the screw and made us a team again, just like we once were. All my colleagues were stronger than ever. One of the major traits that I learned is to listen, not preach, on what good ethics is, but do the hard work, and soon everything else just falls into place. 
there is still work to be done before a person or organization earns the right or ability to inspire a healthy working environment. For a great team to work, each and every one of us must be able to communicate with humility and honesty. Then can we truly embrace equity. Women and men, both carefully crafted from the soil of the earth to give life to all beings. Two beings of different souls strive to work together to keep everything going smoothly until things go out of balance. Growing up in a family full of women without a proper father figure taught me the bitter truth of how society views families, especially with their traditional ideals. My mother had to work and raised me by herself after a sour divorce, so in return, I was raised by my relatives. Whenever I mentioned that I miss my mom, my aunt would start to moan about her being an irresponsible wife for disobeying, which caused the marriage to fall out between my parents. Of course, I did not enjoy the slander towards my mom, but I was only a little girl, and little girls should stay quiet and smile whenever someone complains, even if it makes us uncomfortable, as long as we are not loud. Now looking back, it hurts me to see our own kind placing the blame on themselves for something they could not control or foresee. Shouldn't women have better understanding towards their own kind and support each other in dire times? A few years later, my mom finally earned enough for us to have a place of our own. We finally get to enjoy our company with each other after years of limited contact. With more time to ourselves, I would ask her to tell me more about my dad and what happened before. Turns out, my dad, as much as he loved my mother, could not bear the responsibility of raising us. Recession hit, and my dad had his income deducted by his company. He would come home frustrated about not being able to keep us well fed. My mom offered to work on the side, but dad was reluctant because he believed mothers should stay at home to raise their children. For the sake of the family, she complied until she couldn't anymore. On the other hand, my father would get so stressed to the point of drinking at clubs to run away from his responsibilities. Things eventually got out of hand, which led to their separation. As saddening as the story was, it made me realize both women and men had to bury their inner struggles all in the name of a functioning family. My mother was berated by her family for not following traditional roles, whilst my dad stressed out over the responsibilities a man must bear. Alas, my family experience has taught me to respect and cater to each other's needs, no matter the gender or status. Imagine the number of dysfunctional families who could have lived a happy life if we were to strip away gender roles with equity instead. 
I have nothing but hope for us as the younger generation to strive for this balance of cooperation in society so that everyone could live equally in their own respective ways. When asked to ponder upon, I find it incredibly sad that I can think of numerous situations in which I have witnessed gender inequality, most of which did not involve the application of equity-based solutions. Mind you, I have not even started working yet. One of the most disappointing cases I witnessed involved a girl named Patricia. It was the moment before the announcement of the new head prefect. Patricia had been an outstanding prefect for the past four years. It was not in black and white, but everyone knew she was destined to be the head prefect. Moments before the announcement of the head prefect, another girl was named deputy head prefect. No one minded, since it was assumed that Patricia would get the position she deserved anyway. When the announcement was made, everyone was shocked. Instead of Patricia... A boy named Brandon was summoned instead. Brandon was not the best prefect. In fact, he had quite the reputation for being a nuisance. While members of the school board argued that Brandon deserved the position, deep down, everybody knew this was wrong. To make matters worse, the following year, history repeated itself. This time, a boy who had been caught vaping outside the school was gifted the responsibility of deputy head prefect and the girl who actually deserved it went away empty-handed. I was angry for having had witnessed this twice. When I approached one of my female teachers with my concerns, hoping she would understand, she simply brushed away my concerns aside and explained that this was just the way that things were done. We can't have two girls leading, can we? That was her response. I was disappointed for all she saw in people were their genders. Finally, Someone had enough. When the same thing happened to a girl named Emma, she had taken it up with the school board. With the support of her parents, she had a conversation with the principal, outlining the problem with the current system. Eventually, the school caved in. They announced a new title called Head Student, which was to be awarded based solely on somebody's ability to carry out the responsibilities which came with the title. Emma changed the lives of many who deserve the responsibility, regardless of their gender. Giving somebody undeserving a duty just to be fair, based on gender stereotypes like we can't have two girls leading, can we? is not equity. Someone should be given a responsibility based on their abilities, not their genders. If such things are happening in schools, I can only imagine how bad it is in the real world. Don't you want to live in a world where everyone gets what they deserve, regardless of their gender? Well, I know I do. I was on my way to pick up my cousins from school, with my guardian who was driving, and my sister who was sitting in the passenger seat. I was staring out the window, listening to the radio until a very controversial topic was brought up. It was about a schoolgirl calling her PE teacher out for his disrespectful remarks towards females during a class discussion about what causes rape. I turned my head to the front and sat up straight. I said, I heard about this from TikTok. The teacher sucks. 
He does. He has no brains, my sister replied. My guardian, who's a millennial with a very close-minded way of thinking, decides to have a say in the conversation and it turned out just as disappointing as we expected. I have a couple of older male colleagues who joke around about the younger female colleagues during our meeting. Maybe it's because we're old, but you shouldn't take it so seriously. Kids nowadays will be sensitive about anything. That last line was not exactly what she said, but I could sense it was what she thought in her head. Due to always being shut out and never being allowed to speak up, we stayed quiet right after she said that. I have many male and female friends who have been harassed, one of them being so bad, up to the point that she got stalked while eating alone at a McDonald's nearby our university. I have been harassed too. I was only 13 when my 16-year-old cousin performed things on me. I am now turning 19, but that situation has been haunting me since. To make matters worse, everyone knew about it, but they just acted as if nothing happened and I still have not received an apology from the perpetrator. So yes, maybe we are sensitive about anything. This generation is more sensitive because we know the consequences that come with each action made. We understand. We try to take action to prevent things like this from happening again. We are sensitive because we do not want these situations to repeat. Maybe it wouldn't matter to some people unless it starts happening to them. But we never know. Maybe some people just have no basic human decency. Having basic human decency means being honest and having a strong sense of what is right and wrong. Harassing women just because you think they're weak or it's their fault for seducing us with the way they dress. It's wrong. Harassing males because it's just my personality. It's wrong. No one, and I mean no one, deserves to be harassed. You will leave nothing but scars and trauma. Have some human decency. Learn that every action comes with consequences. Kifara is real. Treat every human being with equal respect. Your rank, gender or job does not matter. It should not even matter. As everyone is buried in the same soil in the end. Sebabkan pakaian wanita, kes merogoh semakin meningkat pada era globalisasi ini, kata cikgu pendidikan moral aku. 
Setiap kali aku mendengarnya, hatiku berasa begitu sedih seperti kaca terhempas ke batu. Adakah wanita harus dinilai berdasarkan pakaiannya tanpa mengenali latar belakangnya? Mengapakah wanita harus disalahkan walaupun dia merupakan mangsa rukun? Begitu kejamnya dunia ini untuk kaum wanita menjalani kehidupannya sendiri tanpa merasa ketakutan. Walaupun dirogol, sesetengah wanita enggan melaporkan kejana ini kepada pihak berkuasa. Ini adalah kerana mereka kurang mendapat simpati masyarakat apatah lagi sokongan dan pembelaan. Malahan, mangsa-mangsa ini dipersalahkan seolah-olah mereka lah yang menggalakkan rogol itu terjadi. Inilah satu dilema yang dihadapi oleh mangsa rogol. Mereka juga dianggap tidak mempunyai hak untuk mengumumkan saman atau mengambil tindakan undang-undang. Hal ini terjadi kerana dalam proses perundangan, seringkali maruah wanita yang dirogol itu dibicarakan dan segala aspek pergaulan dan nilai moralnya dipertikaikan. Bukan sahaja itu, mereka juga akan digelar dengan panggilan yang sungguh menghinakan seperti wanita murahan. Aku tertanya-tanya, mengapakah lelaki tidak dikenakan perkara yang sama sedangkan mereka tidak bertanggungjawab atas perkara yang dilakukan oleh mereka hanya untuk nafsu? Aku berumum 14 tahun dan terdengar perbualan kawan lelaki aku dalam kelas. Mereka berkata, Weh, tengok pakaian sergam perempuan itu. Pendeknya. Nanti kena rogol, baru tahu. Biasalah, perempuan tiada nilai. Mereka tidak mampu melakukan apa-apa selain melahirkan anak dan bekerja di dapur. Aku sebagai seorang wanita, rasa trauma walaupun perkara itu tidak terjadi kepada aku. Perempuan yang memakai pakaian menutupi aurat masih kena perkara sama. Adakah ini salah wanita juga? Pernahkah masyarakat ambil berat mengenai perasaan wanita yang dirogol? Kejadian merogol menyebabkan mangsanya mengalami satu pengalaman yang menakutkan serta menekan perasaan batin. Perasaan ini akan menghantui kehidupan mangsa itu seumur hidupnya. Ini disebabkan kejadian merogol dibuat dengan paksa dan ancaman kecederaan terhadap diri wanita itu. Ancaman kecederaan ini amat menakutkan kaum wanita. Dengan paksaan dan kecederaan ini, maka kejadian rogol meningkatkan kesan pahit kepada wanita yang berkenaan. Bagi wanita yang mengalami perbicaraan di mahkamah, pengalaman itu lebih berkesan ke atas jiwa mereka. Semasa perbicaraan, pihak peguam yang membela perogol berkenaan akan berusaha membuktikan bahawa mangsa itu tidak bermoral dan maruahnya dipersoalkan. Seringkali, jenayah perogol itu sendiri diketepikan. Sudahlah mangsa itu dirogol oleh perogol. Di mahkamah pula ia akan dirogol sekali lagi oleh proses undang-undang. Sebab itulah ramai wanita enggan melakukan kejadian rogol. Satu perkara lagi dalam kes rogol ini, seringkali wanita dipersalahkan kerana cara mereka berpakaian, berkelakuan dan sebagainya sengaja menjolok nafsu lelaki. Kononnya, jika wanita tidak berkelakuan demikian, maka mereka tidak akan dirogol. Sebagai seorang wanita, aku ingin mempertahankan hak aku Kaum wanita harus diberikan keadilan yang saksama dan tidak harus dipersalahkan kerana kami juga mempunyai hak untuk memakai apa sahaja yang kami mahukan tanpa berasa takut. Kenapa kami harus menjaga pakaian semata-mata untuk menjaga nafsu lelaki? Lelaki juga harus bijak menguruskan diri mereka kerana kami bukanlah satu alasan untuk mereka melepaskan nafsunya. Mungkin dulu aku berasa takut untuk mempersuarakan hak aku sebagai wanita tapi bukanlah sekarang kerana aku mahukan keadilan yang sama untuk para wanita. 
kami bukan hamba para lelaki untuk mengikuti kehendak mereka dan kami tidak akan sesekali membenarkan kaum lelaki menjatuhkan martabat kami sebagai wanita. Kami sebagai para wanita harus diberikan keadilan yang saksama untuk menjalani kehidupan kami tanpa ada perasaan takut. Equality Three children of different heights stand on the same one wooden box to look over the fence, seeing other children play. The shortest of them had the fence tower over him. While growing up, I had everything I needed, mainly because my parents made sure I did. They were educators whose perception was that education is the be-all and end-all, so they ensured that I had all the resources I needed from tuition to workbooks, and on days when my creativity overflowed, my dad had never once said no to getting me art supplies. The man worked two jobs. And I did my best too at school, you know. But most of the time, I well read as the naive child who had no conception of intersectionality and the vulnerabilities that followed it, wondered why my peers weren't doing as well as me. Isn't the age-old response, they're just lazy? Equity. The wooden boxes are now unequally distributed, but all three children, including the shortest, could look over the fence. Growing up, I had everything I needed, mainly because my parents made sure I did. They were educators, most importantly, first of their kind in their own respective families. And despite coming from low-income families of rubber tap fathers and mothers, their access to education meant my access to education, my reality, is the same as those of my grandparents. Most people would stop here, trying to prove a point that equality is in the way to go, but may I suggest removing the goddamn fence to begin with. Enough of studying advises my uncle against my desire to do my masters. Apparently, he had my best interest in mind. Maybe that is what I'm telling myself because it's family and despite the flaws that come with it, you're taught to love them. And I do love them. The reason was it was time to get married and settle down in a few years. Apparently, he, who is younger than my father, has had the opportunity to meet his grandchild as my father has not. And for some unknown reasons, this wasn't the responsibility of my elder brothers, but mine alone. Of course, I'm not going to listen to him to hell with patriarchy. But my access to education stops where it is deemed just acceptable by society, so I don't fail in all the ways I'm supposed to be a woman and perform responsibilities that were assigned to me even before I was born because of my gender. I can't simply let education get in the way of motherhood, despite anyone ever wanting to know if I was ready for it, despite anyone ever wanting to ask if I had healed enough so I wouldn't be passing generational traumas onto the babies that I have not even conceived yet. No one was even remotely interested in the fact that I had dreams even before I met my boyfriend. Equity will work. So would equality. But maybe we might not need them so much if the goddamn fence 
just wasn't there. Thank you so, so much for listening to this podcast episode and to the stories of our amazing participants. Keep a lookout for part two dropping next week. And I also wanted to say thank you to our voiceover volunteers, Najiha, Sharon, Hani, Glory, and Aiza. Once again, happy International Women's Day, everybody. And if you're coming to today's Women's March on the 12th of March, I will be seeing you there. Keep fighting the good fight. Bye-bye.